Let's celebrate life with a little bubbly. Welcome to Bubbles of Wisdom Podcast. I am Danny, the artist. I am Maggie, the law librarian. We are cousins and best friends. With this bi-weekly podcast, we engage in meaningful and entertaining conversations about work, love, health, and of course, sparkling wine. We share our life experiences as women over 50, so all women embrace who they are and feel empowered as they age. Hey, cuz. Hello, cuz. Can you believe that it's our fourth season? I know. I'm so excited. Things are going well, and we are progressing really fast. I think so, yeah. too. I can't believe Soon it. a year. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm super thankful for all the guests we are having this season, and all of them will help us celebrate life where we at right now that's in right life this stage yes. in our life yes. absolutely absolutely Definitely. so this season the overarching theme is health and wellness in midlife and one of the biggest health concerns for women our age is the m word m for menopause <laughs> and yes it's still a very taboo subject i said we did a show in season two episode four where we started that conversation but we're so excited to continue this conversation with shirley yes there's so much more to talk about recently i was in a workshop with our guest shirley she's been shining a new light on women and the way they approach menopause. Shirley Weir is the founder of Menopause Check, an online community where women crack open the conversation about menopause. I love that. Me too. <laughs> that is cute. Shirley is the author of Mokita. She's a true advocate for women's health. Her approach to menopause really resonated with us. Mm -hmm. Yes. I am a member of the Menopause Chick community where Shirley wants to see women live their best life, their best midlife, mm -hmm. actually. So instead of telling women to suck it up, Shirley is about offering real solutions so women can better navigate their health. Thank you, Shirley, and welcome. Oh, thank you. That was an amazing introduction. Thanks for having me. And before we get started, Shirley, I want to welcome you as well. Where can our listeners find you? Well, I spend most of my time inside a private online community. It's menopausechickscommunity.com. It's hosted on Facebook and on social media. You can find me at Menopause Chicks. Excellent. Oh, Excellent. that's great. Now let's start at the beginning. Let's get into it. <laughs> How did you become the menopause guru that you are today? Uh, such a good question because I never imagined growing up that I would grow up to be a menopause chick. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honestly, bodily functions, none of these conversations were, you know, part of my youth, part of my aspiration. I had a 30-year career in marketing. Um, and in my mid-40s, early to mid-40s, I found myself looking for information to help explain what was going on. And oh. I, of course, did what every other smart, savvy woman does. I turned to Dr. Google at 3 a.m. <laughs> Thank God we have Dr. Google. When I couldn't sleep. And I was really disappointed. I was really mm. disenfranchised with 
the amount of confusing and conflicting information that came back at me. And of course, having Mm -hmm. a marketing and communications career, I also noticed that all of the advertising that was popping up on my screen were, you know, how to lose your belly fat in seven steps and, you know, just crap, crap, crap. And it didn't make me feel smart and it didn't make me feel empowered. And uh, this was almost 10 years ago. We're celebrating our 10th year uh, anniversary this year. And I just saw this huge gap between you know, women needing to be informed and to feel smart and savvy and the actual information and education that comes our way. Um, We might remember all of us having a health class in seventh grade, you know, (laughs) we learned how to make a baby and then we learned how to not make a baby. And that was it. Yeah. So for many of us, that was the end of our health education. And I'll be honest with you, I had two children. I delivered them vaginally, and I didn't really have any education through that. I kind of showed up at the hospital and did what needed to be. Like it was, you know, I wasn't really embracing what my body is capable of. And so Mm -hmm. at this point in my life, because I was also dealing with uh, major sleep deprivation, chronic brain fog, Uh, mood swings that were impacting my ability to parent um, and anxiety and depression for the first time. I was like, Mm. I got to get ahead of this because, you know, at the time I'm like 41, 42, 43, I need to know what's going on. And I'm pretty sure because I have an older sister who had a completely different journey than I did. But I was like, I think that my gift to the world is going to be a blog. And so I started a blog. Uh, It was going to be off the end of my desk. And as I like to say, the universe had different plans. I got a lot of great feedback from that. And I got a lot of recognition that this is something women wanted to have. They wanted others to talk to. They wanted to know how to build their health team. And what they really wanted was quality information and education. And so that kind of is my journey to how I became the menopause chick. <laughs> and what a journey it is. And so we're going to start digging into the symptoms of menopause. And then we'll talk about the natural ways that we can reduce some of those symptoms, yes, right? Yes. And so what are the three stages of menopause? Because I think a lot of women are not aware that there are actually three mm-hmm. stages of yeah. menopause. Well, I'm glad you're asking that question because one of the first things I love to clarify for women is definitions. One of the things that we have to do at this point in our lives in many areas is we first have to unlearn some of the myths or misconceptions that we might have inherited along the way, right? Either from our family or from media or from marketers, right? From Google. So, or Dr. Google, right? So menopause is often still used as an umbrella term to describe the three phases. But the reality is, is that menopause is only one day. It's the 12 month anniversary of your last period. It's one day. Yeah, because she did the celebration mm-hmm. of the menopause. I'm like, what is this? So yeah. we'll talk about that as well. <laughs> yeah, I had okay. a party when I reached. Okay. So I reached menopause at age 49. The average age mm-hmm. in North America is 51.2. 
And you don't go through menopause, you actually reach it. It's one day you can invent oh. a you can invent a cocktail or a cupcake that day, whatever uh, is your fancy. But what you do go, what women do go through, and this is quite new in you know the medic in a medical community sense is perimenopause. And the yes. term perimenopause was only coined in 1996. So that's like super new, right? Yes. And you can see that something that was not even, didn't even have a name till 1996 mm-hmm. also doesn't have a lot of research, doesn't have Real a important. lot of conversation around it, doesn't have a lot of, you know, generational history. We're not passing down our experiences mm-hmm. yet. So we're actually the first generation to be doing this really important work. But perimenopause is very similar to the years leading up to puberty. Right before a girl gets her first period, her hormones start to fluctuate. Mm-hmm. And her body is preparing her for puberty. And then at the other end of the teeter-totter, as we creep towards maybe 50, 51.2, our, you know, our hormones start to fluctuate again. And they're fluctuating, preparing our body for menopause. And then every day after that celebration is post-menopause. So I'm 55 wow. years old. I reached menopause at 49. I've been in post-menopause for six years. Oh, wow. wow. See, I you didn't have, know that. Yes, you've mm-hmm. just shadowed our our vision of what menopause Menop- is. Right, absolutely. Because I thought we'd go through menopause. I didn't realize it was a that day. That you reach it, you and, reach then it that's and then it. that's it. Okay. Wow. So I do have a question for you. It's so yes. more along the personal. So I had a hysterectomy, and my body's off, right? Yes. And so I didn't have the menopausal transition that most people have. Is this something that you've come across? Do you address this mm-hmm. in your book? Because I'm question. really, really interested in that. Because I'm, you know, I didn't follow the natural flow, right? Do you have your ovaries removed as well? I had one. Oh, okay. Removed. I still have another. Yeah. Okay. So you wouldn't have reached if if a woman has a full hysterectomy, which would be ovaries, cervix, and uterus. Mm-hmm. The day of her surgery is the day she reaches menopause. That's interesting. Regardless That's of how yeah. old she is. If okay. a woman has a partial hysterectomy, um, in most cases, not yours, obviously, but in most cases, a partial hysterectomy would mean the uterus being removed, then regardless of her age, she's no longer going to have a period, but she hasn't yet reached menopause because the ovaries will continue to produce hormones. So your one ovary continues to produce hormones, maybe not at the same level that it did before your surgery, but you still have not reached menopause until that ovary is done producing uh, the egg follicles that are there. I feel like it's done because I feel like... <laughs> right before we started. Exactly. Like, oh, I'm having hot flash. flash. <laughs> yeah. So um, do you want to tell me how old you are? Well, I'm 53. <laughs> yeah. So it's really hard. It's going to be really hard to tell. Um, at 53, whether you have in fact reached menopause or not, but maybe there's some other indications. Maybe your body is tapping you on the shoulder saying, hey, we've got some hormone imbalance going on here. Uh, We'd like you to pay attention to it. Yeah, I think it's definitely tapping. 
<laughs> That's an interesting point. Me, I'm in post-menopause. Okay. I mean, I started menopause at a very young age in my late 30s. So I've been in post-menopausal for at least 10 years. Oh, wow. One thing that I find is that I still have some of those hot flashes mm-hmm. and symptoms that I, w- I used to associate with menopause. Is that, uh, is that a, a reality that you would still have some of those symptoms. Yeah, after. absolutely. And it's a really good point to drive home with your listeners. I think that we, another myth that we have to debunk is that you just have to get through this and then it's better on the other side. That's not necessarily the case. Perimenopause is defined by, generally speaking, progesterone dropping. So when our cycles are regular before perimenopause, um, estrogen is, you know, the the hormone that's produced in the first two weeks of our cycle. And then progesterone comes in in the second two weeks. And they do this amazing dance together. They're really complimentary (laughs) and they're perfect partners. But as we reach perimenopause, that ratio of estrogen to progesterone can get further and further apart And when that happens in perimenopause, women will commonly, um, they might not notice anything, but they might notice changes to their mood, their sleep, and to their period. Their period might get shorter, longer, heavier, lighter. Um, Those are some real, you know, common experiences. I also noticed a little bit of anxiety and depression. That's perimenopause. Mm -hmm. Then when the periods wind up, you enter postmenopause, estrogen that was high formally drops, drops mm. and it mm-hmm. drops almost like a cliff dive. It's quite dramatic. And because estrogen is responsible for so many roles in our body, women who might have maybe danced their way through perimenopause and didn't really have too much disruption, mm-hmm. they're really surprised and shocked to wake up in postmenopause and to think, I thought this was all behind me. I don't have a period anymore. I went, I already reached menopause. They might say I went through menopause. Why do my joints hurt? Why are my eyes dry? Why am I experiencing Mm -hmm. vaginal dryness? And those are all things that can be hot flashes too, that can be associated Mm -hmm. with that drop. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you mentioned all of that. So I'm just going to quickly go through some of these postmenopause symptoms. You mentioned the hot flashes, the night sweats, vaginal dryness, sexual discomfort, there's depression, mm-hmm. um, also changes in sex drive, insomnia, dry skin, weight hair changes, loss. hair loss, and urinary incontinence. So I think I've experienced almost everything on that <laughs> list, perhaps except for the hair loss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I attended your event yesterday and I really want us to discuss the whole vaginal dryness. Yes, that's and an, the, important, an one. important one, right? And the role that estrogen plays in that equation. And what can we do about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one thing that you don't want to do is give up because there are easy, viable solutions. So if anyone's listening and they think it's something that's just part of being a woman, um, I'm here to tell you it is not. And it's interesting, yeah, but because our parents, our mothers didn't really talk about it. No, that's not something something we talk about. So I never knew that this was something that 
that That's was a part thing. of it. Exactly. Yes, I didn't understand that I was part of it. Yes. You start questioning yourself exactly. without understanding that it's your body that's reacting. It's so, so unfair. I understand you have a it's so unfair because yes, there's is. so much yes. media and marketing attention put on hot flashes. And I am not saying that hot flashes are not uncomfortable. They are. They can be very disruptive to our life mm-hmm. and to our sleep. But there are other experiences that women are suffering with in silence. And vaginal yes. dryness is one thing that I'm just going to throw out some numbers at you that blew my mind. Um, over 80% of women will experience vaginal dryness at some point in their wow. life. And less than 4% of women are currently receiving treatment or a solution. What? Yes. Wow. This is, this is, this is really bad. It's, so it's, I believe you have a solution because you talked about it yesterday at the event. I have many actually. Vaginal dryness can be prevented and it can be treated. So if you, um, and first of all, we're talking about menopause and we're talking about estrogen decline today, but it's probably Mm -hmm. important to note that there are other reasons for vaginal dryness too. So women in postpartum might experience vaginal dryness, women who are on the birth control pill, the pill is a Mm. big culprit, Um, a woman who might be going through cancer treatment or even another health condition or medications. Medications can cause vaginal dryness. So it might be related to those things. It might be related to the drop in estrogen in postmenopause. So that's good to know. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but again, those are the things that people don't even know of. I was blown away to think that the birth control pill causes vaginal dryness. When I first learned that, I was like, well, that's pretty ironic. Like, really? <laughs> and, um, but then it makes sense because the birth control pill gives you hormones when you don't need them. That's and true. it disrupts true. your hormone balance. So that's, you know, mm-hmm. the, the reasoning behind that. The other thing that happens, um, well, beginning in our 30s and 40s, is there's a molecule that our body makes on its own called hyaluronic acid. And yes. you've probably seen hyaluronic acid in some of the, the beauty advertisements. Yes. Um, since yes. 2008, beauty products and cosmetics have been using hyaluronic acid because it's really moisturizing. It's a super strong molecule that can carry a thousand times its weight in moisture. And wow. so, I can't even say it. It's hard to say. It's hyaluronic acid. It's hard to say it, yes. And in 2013, um, a researcher in Europe, Dr. Petra Stute, discovered that hyaluronic acid was effective at preventing and treating vaginal dryness. Wow. So prior to that... The only way that you could treat vaginal dryness really, or the most common way, I should say, was to get a prescription for localized estrogen therapy. And that still today is a viable option for women. But the thing that gets me about that is in order to get a prescription, what do you need? You need the condition to exist. No, you have to wait. You're like, I know this is going to happen, <laughs> but until I actually have vaginal dryness, oh, my doctor right. won't write me a prescription to treat That's it. True. 
So, so you I'm, cannot prevent it. I am not. all you about, care. like, when I heard that vaginal dryness was a thing, I was like, how can I prevent that? So some of the ways that you can prevent vaginal dryness are to have lots of sex and orgasms. And I'm talking oh. about sex being comfortable for you, right? Not if yeah. you're already experiencing uncomfortable sex, then don't do that. But yeah. if you're in the prevention mm-hmm. mode, have lots of orgasms. Another way is to practice regular pelvic floor exercise because that sends a energy to the pelvic floor mm-hmm. and keeps natural moisture producing. Okay. Right? Um, another way to prevent vaginal dryness is to moisturize on a reg, you know, on a regular basis. And it's mm-hmm. makes sense if you think about our skin and we're constantly right, moisturizing our, our face and our hands. It just Why makes not? sense. That's the vulva true. and vagina mm-hmm. need moisture. They need the hyaluronic yeah, acid. They do. Yes. They do. Yes. You've got to send them some love. you got to send That's some right. love. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my members talked about this a lot. They talked about really wanting a solution. And so I went to a pharmacy and had them compound a hyaluronic acid that it only contains that compound plus a little bit of vitamin E. It doesn't have any preservatives, any additives. It doesn't mm-hmm. have water or wax or glycerin or any of the things that come wow. uh, from some of the products off the shelf. And women love it. And they love it because it's effective at both preventing and treating um, vaginal dryness. Yeah. Is this available in the States? Yeah, you're in Canada. Yeah, so you place your order online. It's made that day. The pharmacists make it that day and it's shipped out that night. And um, a lot of my uh, members, they'll do both. They'll go to their doctor and they will get a prescription for localized estrogen therapy because the vagina likes estrogen as well. And they might use Mm -hmm. the hyaluronic acid like every other day or one in the morning and one at night. It's important to mention that as well because we're all at different ages and stages. Yes, that's right. So mm, you yes. might be listening to this and you know maybe you're 47, 48, 49, you want to do you're in prevention mode. Um, there's other women who might be listening to this who haven't had hyaluronic acid or estrogen for 10 or 15 years. And so it kind of takes, it, you know, it takes maybe a little bit of work, but you're worth it. Your vagina is worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's something else that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, Hormone replacement therapy. Yes. Do you think that's something that uh, should be done? Because I remember when I started to go through menopause, the thing that everyone was saying, well, you've got cancer in your family. You shouldn't go there at all. And I did not. I suffered through everything. What's your top on that? Well, I have a couple of answers to that. One is um, if you had a car with 50,000 miles on it and you wanted Mm -hmm. to keep that car for another 10 years, what would you do? Go to the mechanic and do everything I can. You'd probably do everything that you could to invest in that asset that you have, your car, because you want it to last another 10 years. And Mm -hmm. I am of the mind that I don't tell women that they should take hormone therapy. That's not what I'm saying. I tell women that I use hormone therapy and that my sister, because she, you know, she reached menopause at age 36, 
has been using hormone therapy mm-hmm. for over 30 years. Wow. Um, this is my message. Okay. You're worth inquiring to see if it is a viable solution for you. Mm-hmm. Don't make decisions based on headlines. Don't make mm-hmm. decisions based on memes on Instagram. Don't make <laughs> health decisions based on what your mother's cousin's next door neighbor said. Right, Go right. and speak with an yeah. expert about your health situation, yes, what your current yes. experiences are, and what your health goals are. Because yeah. we now mm-hmm. know, yes, there was some damaging information that came out about hormone therapy, and it was twisted, and it was reported right, exactly. incorrectly, and it's really impacted a lot of women's quality of life. But oh, it's a new day it. now. It's 2022. And we're the first generation of women to reach 50 and have 50 more years to plan that's for. Good. That's true. Yeah. So true. Want it to be healthy. If you yeah. know that that car that you want to drive for another 10 years needs new brakes and needs new tires, if you know that your body, you know, you'd like to avoid heart disease and dementia and osteoporosis and that there's opportunities for you to invest... I say it's worth having the conversation. Yeah. And in addition to the hyaluronic acid, um, what supplements do you recommend for women who are undergoing um, menopause or perimenopause or postmenopause? Yeah, it's kind of different for everyone and almost the same, you know, scenario worth having a conversation about what your body might be missing. Some of the more common supplements, and I can tell you what I take, but some of the most common supplements are magnesium. Magnesium bisglycinate, really hard to get from our diet. Most North Americans are deficient and Mm -hmm. it's super supportive of mood and sleep. So I would put that at the top of uh, a list of recommendations. I also talk a lot about iron. Um, Anyone who still has their period is probably going to be somewhat, if not extremely iron deficient. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you mentioned hair loss um, a few minutes ago. It's sometimes inferred that hair loss is a part of aging or a part of menopause. The top two reasons for hair loss is iron deficiency and thyroid imbalance. So we can't lump everything into the menopause bucket without taking a look at what we might be missing nutritionally, right? That's a good point. Is Mm. thyroid imbalance related to menopause? Um, I... Menopause is one day. It's not a health condition, right? Yes, yes, that's Uh, true. (laughs) Thyroid is a hormone and everyone has a thyroid. Um, Mm -hmm. But what's important, the reason it's important that we talk about thyroid in this conversation about menopause is this. So often women will experience extreme fatigue and exhaustion, Mm -hmm. inability to lose weight, sore joints. And you know what they say? They're like, oh, I guess I'm just getting older. Mm-hmm. Older, yeah. <laughs> right? my, my, I guess my, it's yeah. just part of being a woman. Mm-hmm. I guess I've got yeah. to suck it up. And I'm like, well, did you have your thyroid tested? Because everything that you just described are symptoms of thyroid imbalance. Right. Because you just say metabolism that's yes. slowing down. Yes, that's what you yeah, say all you the say time. Yeah, you say it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so let's talk about your book, 
Okay. I love it. Entitled Mokita, right? <laughs> Am I pronouncing it correctly? You are Mokita. Mokita. I know. Okay. No, nobody really knows what Mokita means, but I can share that with you. Tell us. Yes. yes. Tell us. Well, the word really found me right before I published the book. And the word comes from Papua New Guinea. Uh, and it means the truth that we all know, but refuse to speak of. So, mm. wow. It's kind of like the elephant in the room. Our culture has a lot of mokitas. You know, we don't all talk about (laughs) religion or money or sex or whatever. But I did feel that perimenopause and menopause, um, uh, the book will be four years old this year. And when I was putting it together, I was like, it just doesn't have a spot in the limelight. And so if we can bring it out of the closet, if you will, yes. and talk about it. There's a real, there's a better chance that women will get the health care that they deserve. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know what? I, I think I need to have a party because <laughs> I did not do my graduation when I reached menopause. And now I'm feeling that it's time for me to do something about it. <laughs> Nothing, it's never too late to have a party and celebrate. Never Bye-bye. too late. <laughs> And so are there any upcoming events that you want to share with our listeners? Oh, thanks. Uh, I would love to. Well, you uh, attended the Menopause Chicks Masterclass last night. Um, So I host that masterclass once a month on the 15th of every month. So the Menopause Chicks Masterclass is on April 15th. And then I also do the Vagina Dialogues once a month. So that will be on April 28th. And that will be an extended version of what we talked about today. Um, and what I try to do is to have sort of those core classes once a month for our members. Mm-hmm. And then we do special events. So throughout the year, we'll be doing a focus on hysterectomies. We'll be doing a focus on oh, brain oh, health, good. sexual health, uh, urinary tract infections, which is a big concern for a lot of women in postmenopause. And um, those are topics um, that women have told me that they really want to mm-hmm. like do a deeper dive on. And that's important yes. if we're all going to be investing in our health. I agree. I agree. And you've, and been, you've, you've been doing a fabulous job. I mean, I love to be in the group. I, I sit down, I watch the videos whenever I have a chance and it has make, made a difference. I mean, in regards to myself, mm-hmm. I, there are some decisions that I've taken after reading quite a few comments mm-hmm. well, and I've decided you. to call my, I decided to call my doctor and That's see great. what I can do instead of waiting and seeing what can mm-hmm. I do, what might happen. Kind of like you said, I decided to take care of my car and take because charge. I want, yes. Yes. You have to. Yes. Yeah. I, I wanted to last me a while. Longer. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> we need the car to last. We need to lubricate the joints and do everything we need to do yes. to keep them going, right? I think Definitely. that's great. And you'll be, I'll be following. Definitely, I want to attend some of these events. Yes. That's great. Yes. <laughs> so now for the fun part of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so what's your favorite bubbly, Shirley? And do you have an interesting story? Do I have an interesting story? <laughs> well, that goes with the bubbly. That's right. <laughs> well, so I love bubbly. I love all kinds of bubbly. Sparkling water all day. Um, right now, I'm just about to drink this. Gro- it's called Groovy. G-R-U-V-I. Oh. And it was sent to me at Christmas, and it's dry secco. It is delicious. And um what? 
Yeah. Dry secco. I've never heard of dry secco. Okay, we're talking right there. With 50 calories and it is alcohol free. Oh, oh, that's good. Okay, okay. So the reason it's alcohol free is that I'm doing a sleep event in a couple of days, and I'm trying not to drink this week. <laughs> <laughs> what is a sleep event? Uh, well, it's for World Sleep Day, so I'm interviewing uh, four <gasps> experts uh, all day Friday uh, in the menopause chicks community, and the recordings will be there for your listeners to go and check them out at any yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, it's funny because we're talking about sleep. I have issues sleeping. I and do. I'm thinking I have sleep mm-hmm. apnea, but maybe it's really the paramount of yes. the menopause and postmenopause. Maybe that's really what's affecting me. So I'm going to start taking some magnesium to at help night. me at night. Take it at night. That yes. helps for sure. But definitely the dry seco. I'm curious. I'm going to try too. it. I'm going to try it. And we have people that come in and they say, well, does it have to have alcohol? Right. We're no. like, well, for us, yeah, but. <laughs> I can go either way. <laughs> oh, but actually, let's talk about alcohol. Do you have a, a, an alcohol sparkling that's a favorite of yours? Anything that makes a really good sound when the cork pops out is <laughs> all right by me. <laughs> I, 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 I want the drama, right? I want the sound. I want everyone in the room to know <laughs> that I popped the cork. So you're about to make a champagne or that's great. That's perfect. That is absolutely. <laughs> but perfect. thank you for telling us about the dry seco. That's definitely something we'll have to look into. Okay. Yes, because we'll have a lot. I know a lot of people who don't drink, and actually, it's become a thing since the pandemic. People have stopped drinking. You know, so I don't know what's wrong with them. <laughs> Thank you so much, Shirley. This was a very insightful conversation. Absolutely. We've learned a lot. We have. We definitely have learned a lot. And we look forward to continue following you on Thank all you your, so you know, on Menopause Check. Definitely. I'm there. I'll continue to be there. And also to join, uh, we'll be joining the classes as right, well. Right. Exactly. Yes. And thank you so much for this information. I mean, we don't talk about the vagina enough and the issues involving menopause. Mm-hmm. We don't discuss it enough it's and super. it's important that we do. So thank you. So true. Well, thank you for the invitation and your names look really great at the top of your to-do oh. list. <laughs> thank, you. thank you. That's great. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, Maggie. Okay, so we have to share this story with you guys. Yes, that's why we're laughing already. <laughs> we had a hard time opening this bottle, okay? OMG. <laughs> These people are taught, we don't know what they're doing, but this is ridiculous, okay? My hand still hurts. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> we had to run and get this thing, you know, to help us open. You know those things you used to open thing. the jars? Oh my God. It was not. That was no fun. Ew. That just killed it. It really did. I'm like, we shouldn't have to work that hard no. to get to, to a bottle. Not for not for bubbly. Exactly. <laughs> My God. So <laughs> yeah, for today's well, episode, we have Tots Premium Cuvée Champagne. It's, it says champagne on the bottle, it but was, it's from California. So it's not really champagne. No. Right? Because it's not Should from be. the champagne region. I know. I'm surprised it got the right to say champagne. Me too. And 
interesting, Tots. We need to talk to Tots. We certainly do. <laughs> How did that happen? I know. I know. <laughs> well, that put aside, it is uh, very it's, fruity. It's fruity. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are we tasting the apples? Well, I'm tasting. I'm not sure if I'm tasting apples, but I'm mm-hmm. tasting fruity. I'm tasting actually perhaps more of a peachy melon. Mmm. They always have the pear. Mm-hmm. Pear does not have a distinctive <laughs> taste. I don't know why pear every does. review. Mm-mm. I don't taste it. Oh, you need to taste a good pear at the mm-hmm. right time. Of I the think season. maybe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. No, no, pear is like it's really delicious. really good. Mm-hmm. So, a cuvee brut champagne is a blend of non-sparkling wine designed to become a well-balanced sparkling wine. Mm. Extra dry. Hmm. Okay. I, I don't think this is extra dry. Fairly dry, and it's supposed to have some residual sugar. I do taste sugar. Mm-hmm. It does taste a little bit sweeter. It is a little sweeter, right? Yes, than the we, others. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. The price point was good. $9.99 <laughs> from the liquor store. So we'll say $10. So I love that price point. <laughs> Just for that, you give it a thumbs up. <laughs> You're damn right. <laughs> it's a thumbs up for me. It's the right me? price. It's good for the beach. It's okay. Yeah, it's an okay one. Yeah. It's not something I would run to the store to buy. Abs- not after all that struggle to open it. <laughs> Absolutely not. But if it's given to me, I'll enjoy it. Yeah, it's not yes. bad. It's not it's bad. Definitely not bad. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it a thumbs up I'm because not. it's not a, that bad. I'm not I, giving it a thumbs up, but I I'm am. not giving him I'm a not, thumbs I'm not, down either. No, not a thumbs down. You give it a thigh, sideways thumbs. How about <laughs> there that? You go. Okay. There you go. Cheers to that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Bubbles of Wisdom podcast. If you like this episode, please share it with your BFFs. You can find all our information and join our mailing list at bubblesofwisdom.com. You want to keep this conversation going? Follow us on social media. Instagram at Bubbles of Wisdom, Facebook, Bubbles of Wisdom, and of course, Twitter at Bubbles underscore Wisdom.